Hello and welcome to the Skin Lovers Unite podcast, your source for all things skin science, skincare and business. I'm your host Kelly, otherwise known as Skin Queen, and I'm so excited for you to sink your teeth into today's episode. I'm finally getting around to doing this skin needling tell-all episode. Oh my gosh, I'm really excited for this. I did not expect the response that I got when I posted it inside my Facebook group. Yes, that is a little bit of a plug for a Facebook group. If you're not inside of the Skin Lovers Unite Facebook group, then head on over to Facebook and request to join. We have so many awesome conversations there. One of those, I actually asked my community to share with me any questions that they wanted me to answer around skin needling. And nearly 2,000 people saw the post, which is crazy because there's like 2.8,000 people in there. And I got like 85 comments. So I've actually got a huge storm brewing and it's probably, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes away if we're lucky. So I'm going to do my best to answer as many of these questions as I can in this short time period because Lord knows I can be here forever. So I think it's kind of good to have a time limit. But if you don't already know my background with skin needling, so I'm a qualified dermal therapist, which means that I had like a legitimate training with an RTO on skin needling back in the day, which is really cool. And then I worked for a skincare brand that stocked a skin needling device. And then I worked for SkinPen. So SkinPen is one of the only medically registered skin devices or skin needling devices rather on the Australian market. This one just gave me so much exposure to the medical side of things and lots of studies and I guess lots of new and up and coming research. Plus it was such an awesome device to work with. I did that for nearly two and a half years, not to mention the person who I trained with has been in the industry for like 25 plus years. So she knew her shit. It was so awesome to chat with her. And additionally, my manager at the place that I was working at, she was an original Germapen trainer. So Although I haven't been hands-on with skin needling myself in probably 18 months, I definitely know what I'm talking about. So I've got a couple of the top questions written out here on my little notepad if you're watching me on YouTube, but I've actually also got Facebook open on my computer. So if you see my eyes looking down, it's because I'm going to scroll through and I'm going to have a look at some of the most requested, I guess, questions because there was 84 So a lot of them are similar. So I want to get to the main ones and discuss a little bit more about it. But the first question that I wrote down was long-term pros and cons of skin needling. And I thought this was an excellent question. There are lots of people who had asked this and lots of people that had actually liked this when it was asked. So I'm going to answer it for you now. Long-term pros, definitely you're going to have more collagen and elastin production which is important because the second we turn 30, our fibroblast cell production starts to slow down and we start to see a decline in collagen and elastin production. So unless you're using your vitamin C and having regular skin needling, you're probably not going to see that as much. But the other thing too is it can really help with building new capillaries within the skin. And so as a result, you're going to have more blood flow. You're going to look more glowy. You're going to have more nutrition feeding throughout the skin. So I think that is definitely a long-term pro but the long-term con, and I was thinking about this, if you are somebody who's like addicted to skin needling the same way that you're addicted to say injectables or anything like that, then you might see an overabundance of collagen production because that's essentially what it does. It stimulates a wound healing response so that you start to create more growth factors, which produce more collagen and elastin. And if you're doing it, you know, a lot and regularly, 
you might start to see quite like thickened, I guess, not thickened in the way of like sun damage thickened, but like really over the top plumped skin. So that would be the long-term pros. I can't think of anything else, but I guess it would depend also too on the device that you've used. Because I see a lot of people using devices from eBay and then they get things like um, micro channels permanently left in their skin. When I tell you I've seen it all in this job, I've seen it all. So I think that would be a long-term pro. Now that leads me to the next thing. Are devices different? I think it really depends on what you're asking here. It depends on the motor in the device. As I said, I've worked with a device from that Ultraceuticals used to do back in the day. I've worked with SkinPen. I've also used an Exceed and used to be quite good friends with the Exceed trainer before. And additionally, I've also had my hands on a Dermapen. And I think the main difference is the motor in the device. And then the main difference is the tips. And I think that's something people don't actually realize when you are doing skin needling, it actually comes down to the quality of the tips and how that mechanism works. Because when you look at the ones on eBay, sometimes the tips can just be like cheap and nasty thrown together. The depth then might not be accurate. You might think you're needling somebody at a one millimeter, but because the needles and the machine was like slapped together in China um, without any much care, because let's face it, they sold for like $100 on eBay and the depth might not be correct. And then the tips could be like a little bit arched. So then it could actually cause micro tears or micro channels or dragging on the skin. And I've definitely seen that happen with people before. So I think the ergonomics would definitely be a thing. But at the end of the day, like it comes down to the comfortability. Because once again, I've also had my hands on an Exceed device. I think they're quite light and they're quite comfortable Um, quite easy to maneuver around, but then you use a skin pen and it's quite heavy. And I guess if you're doing it all day, are you going to end up with RSI? Maybe. I don't know. All right. What else? LED before or after. Now, this is my opinion on it. And this has come from Dr. Des Fernandez. I would never do LED after because what you're doing with skin needling is you're trying to induce a wound healing response. And if you actually then do LED, LED can help with the reparative stage and you don't want to actually speed up that wound healing response. You want it to prolong as long as possible that you get that transforming growth beta factor, growth factor beta, transforming growth factor. Let me double check that. (laughs) But you get the growth factors that are actually helping to produce collagen and elastin. If you start to repair and simmer down that wound healing response, you're not going to get as much collagen elastin production for as long as you'd like. So I always do LED beforehand because that's really going to stimulate your skin cells so that they get a little bit of a bite. But even in saying that, now that I know what I know, I probably would do it on alternating weeks or fortnights. So I'd probably get my client in one week for needling and then two weeks later for LED and vice versa. Okay, and this is another question. Uh, can you alternate it with other modalities? You need to apply critical thinking here and think about what it is that you're trying to treat. If you're trying to treat something like hyperpigmentation, then, and I'm not talking melasma, I'm talking hyperpigmentation here. I would personally love to pair that with IPL. So you could do LED, or not LED, skin needling one month to really help thicken that stratum corneum and that epidermis. And then the following month do IPL to really kill that pigment and bring it up to the surface 
the week after, do LED to help with that skin cell rejuvenation, thickening up that epidermis so you can't see that pigmentation as much, and then keep alternating with that. You can also do the same with needling and vitamin A peels. You can do the same with needling and LED. You could probably do the same with needling and laser. I mean, I'm saying all these things. This is technically like an off-label recommendation. So the other thing I would recommend would be to ask your supplier of your device or other devices because I don't want to say something and then you do it and then it's against your insurance and what the training company has said because I'd hate for that to happen. But, you know, if I was a kid in a candy store doing it the way I want, that's what I would be alternating with. Um, Serum for slip, is it necessary or not? I personally think it is. I wouldn't be doing an active serum. I'd be sticking with like a hyaluronic. I think one, then you get the benefit of that nice glide. So it's not like dry, but then two, you're getting that hyaluronic acid infused into your stratum corneum. And then if your stratum corneum is nice and hydrated, that's what's essentially going to help with that skin cell turnover. Um, And that's thanks to your enzyme action. However, when I start to hear of people who are doing like needling and infusing growth factors or they're infusing vitamin C or vitamin A, I err on the side of caution because I'm like, would that not irritate and sting the skin? Maybe, I don't know. So that's what I stick to. I've always used a hyaluronic, whether it's a hyaluronic acid gel or serum. I think it's more comfortable for both parties. Otherwise, you just like dry dragon on the skin and it's not fun. All right, they're the ones that I could fit on my notepads. Let's have a look at what else got asked. Let's have a look at all comments. Why do people like it over microdermabrasion? Because it's more results driven. Microdermabrasion is purely just, you know, a light buff and polish. Really, that's all it is. With skin needling, it's actually going to help with acne scars, plumping out the skin, um, reducing the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles, helping to thicken up the skin helping to reduce the appearance of capillaries and it can also help with angiogenesis and overall anti-aging. So I think there's far more benefits. How often for optimal results? I've been taught for weekly, but I've come across information about one to two weekly whilst your growth factors are at their peak. Now, this is something that is being taught off label, doing it one to two weekly. And it's not something that I train or have trained in. I have heard of this too. And I guess when you're applying critical thinking, it makes sense. But for me, I've always just done four weekly because that's what I'm comfortable with as a therapist. And I think that's important to note. Um, Sunscreen application post-procedure, none. I never do a SPF post-procedure. And I think that's because a lot of people use a chemical and that will really sting when your micro channels are open. So I just tell clients to avoid the sun for 48 hours, two days then the microchannels start to close and then from there use a mineral SPF so it's not going to tingle but the thing is when you've got those microchannels that are open on the skin you don't need sunscreen that deep in your epidermis so I never do that and is there any difference to cross hatching or circular motions honestly I've been trained in both and I think I don't think it's going to do any different things I think it's just all dependent on how you're going to get the coverage that's what we're trying to achieve, right? Making sure we actually needle everywhere. Microneedling in darker Fitzpatrick types, including maximum recommended depth of penetration. Love this. So as long as your client is on a tyrosinase inhibitor and their barrier is healthy, and I'd want to make sure they've been on a tyrosinase inhibitor for a long time. I personally wouldn't go deeper than a one. 
unless you really knew the client's skin and you knew, you knew that they were like capable and had thickened damaged skin, if they had quite thickened, sun damaged, glycated skin, then I'd probably go a little bit deeper, maybe one to 1.25. But you have, when you're doing any sort of depth, you have to think about what you're trying to treat. If we're trying to treat fine lines, wrinkles, um, if we're trying to treat even some acne scars, or if we're just trying to treat the appearance of hyperpigmentation, you don't need to go that deep. We're working epidermally. So you don't need to go deeper than one millimeters. Once again, that's my opinion. That's what I've always followed too. Are you leaving money on the table because you are scared to retail? Maybe you're scared that your clients will feel like you're being too pushy or that you're trying to do the hard sell on them. Girlfriend, you are not alone and this is the reason why I created Queen of KPI. It is projected that the skincare industry alone, so not what we do as therapists, just skincare, will do between $100 billion and $145 billion in 2022 to 2028. So the chances that your client are already using something is high. Queen of KPI is my mini program that will teach you how to successfully get out of your head and overcome your limiting beliefs when it comes to money mindset and start serving your clients and growing your income. Packed with two masterclasses, my brand new branded skin concern flashcards, printed scripts and various clients' consultation forms, you will be meeting your KPIs like a queen. Use my code SKINLOVER at the checkout to get 50% off the program and make 2023 your year. We know that we cannot use actives, although some brands allow their own formulas is using a peptide as a slide safe, totally up to whatever the brand does because they've done all the clinical trials and testing. And oftentimes when a brand is saying like, we've got our own glide or our own formula to use, totally okay because that would be TGA approved because it has to, when you're doing a skin penetration, it needs to have TGA approval. So if they've done the testing and it works for them and they haven't seen any adverse responses, I would be happy to go with it too. Microneedling for pigment, how does it compare to peels and lasers in terms of results and risks? Oh, this is a juicy one. So microneedling for pigment is epic because there's no heat, right? And oftentimes when you're doing any sort of heat-based treatment, whether it be a peel or whether it be really laser or IPL more so than a peel, that heat can sometimes stimulate a response with your pigmentation. With needling, there's no heat. Yes, it's wound healing and it's going to cause like internal inflammation as long as you're not using numbing cream, but it's simply just creating that control wound healing response. The thing is though, needling isn't a tyrosinase inhibitor. You've got to remember that. All we're doing with skin needling is we're working to thicken up the epidermis. You can't go down and break up the melanocyte cell. That's just not something that happens. I'm not sure if that's still being said out there in the industry. If that's what you're being trained on, I'd love to see the clinical papers on this, but definitely it just comes down to thickening up the epidermis. So when you're doing peels, oftentimes peels can work as a tyrosinase inhibitor and they work to shed off those top layers. Whereas with like IPL or laser, it's really working to shatter that pigmentation. So it works very differently and you could use all three together to create a beautiful treatment plan. Um, how often should you repeat a course of treatments or is keeping up one to two treatments a year? 
yeah, it really depends. If you're getting amazing results after six to eight treatments, then do it. Once you've repaired a certain concern, like that's not it forever. Think of it like, you know, you've punched a hole in the wall and you've just done a little bit of a patch over the top and we've repainted it. You're always going to know there was a hole in the wall, there was damage there, no matter what you do. And especially when we're dealing with the aging client who's having collagen and elastin break down all the time, there's a good chance it could come back. I mean, even when it comes to acne scarring, it really depends on how deep that is. That's why things like ice pick peels and toothpick peels are becoming really popular. But it's really up to the client. We say maintenance because it's like anything. It just needs to become a lifestyle. What is the best machine to use? And at the long run, does it really help with your skin or does it damage the barrier? I think with this, like you have to find out what's comfortable, see the before and afters and hear what other therapists are really enjoying using. It does really help the skin. It creates a controlled wound healing response, which then creates fibroblast cells, growth factors, new collagen, new elastin, new hyaluronic acid, overall plumping altogether, as well as angiogenesis, which is brand new capillaries being born into your skin. I don't think if you're using the right pre and post care, it'll damage your skin barrier. All right, let's keep going down. How many and is there such thing as too many? Are you better off to do an acute course of say six and then maintaining once or twice a year? And how other? I've heard once a month and then every seven to 10 days. Yeah, look, I've heard the seven to 10 day thing too. Do with what the device is training you to do. If you want to then push it and you feel comfortable, go for it. Depends on what you are actually treating. Just remember though, whenever you do it, you're going to create more collagen and elastin. But for me, I love doing a course and then once or twice a year is perfect. Needle depth of skin, especially melasma. Don't want to go deeper than one because you just want to be thickening up that epidermis. Should the skin have erythema after needling or should you Work on the skin to get a response. Do your three to four passes and move on. Love this question. And somebody says, does numbing affect the effectiveness of the treatment? Numbing does affect the outcome of the treatment and it'll affect the erythema as well. The reason for that is because it'll actually help, and I forget the actual term for it, but it causes vasoconstriction. That's the word for it. If you have a look on um, wound healing on YouTube, there is an excellent video that explains this. And you basically need vasoconstriction and then vasodilation. But what happens is we get the vasoconstriction with the numbing, but then you need the vasodilation in order for that wound healing and those white blood cells to actually start moving up to the surface to create wound healing. And if you've got numbing cream, your capillaries are going to stay in vasoconstriction mode because it doesn't want any blood flow, so you stay numb. And I've had people argue with me over this before, but I'm like, it's science. Like if you're using any sort of lignocaine, pronocaine, whatever the canes are, (laughs) that's what they do. They cause vasoconstriction. And so of course, then if you're going over that, you're not going to get that wound healing response. And at the same time, you're not going to get that erythema. So then people be like doing multiple passes, which can almost cause type three collagen, which is almost like collagen mutation. And then it's not actually going to help with whatever it is they're in for treatment. So I never do numbing. I'm like, bite the pillow. We're going in. And at the same time, I stick to my three to four passes and then keep going because what could be happening is they could have broken capillaries or, you know, no capillaries there. So you're causing angiogenesis by going over your three to four passes. Great question. 
Oh, treating rosacea with skin needling, creating treatment plans for different skin conditions and taking before and after photo tips. I think the thing is when you're taking before and after tips, you really need to have a process where before they jump on the bed, you get them to stand behind the door and it has a white door, saving spot every time, take your before, take your after so it's consistent every single time when they're standing up. Once you make that a process with everybody and you get into the habit, you'll thank me later. But creating treatment plans, I think this comes down to whatever the device recommends because I remember with SkinPen, they'd literally recommend like two treatments for pigmentation, whereas I know Dermapen would say four to six and I think Exceed would say four to six. So go back and ask the device because they will be able to, or not the device, but the manufacturers of the device because they'll give guidelines. But treating rosacea with needling, this is something that myself I'm not comfortable with and that's pretty much because I haven't seen enough rosacea to do that. I have heard it can be done. But once again, I think it's about really making sure that the barrier function is healthy and looking at the triggers of rosacea. I would imagine that if somebody like has a trigger of like spicy food or I don't know, the sun, which I don't think is a trigger, coffee can sometimes be a trigger. And then you go ahead and you do needling on them once they've had a trigger. I would imagine there would be more of a histamine response because they were already a little bit barrier impaired. It's not actually my area of expertise, so I can't help you with that one. Must-haves for informed consent, consultation, risks and possible adverse effects, preparation, post-care, and what to never promise. So I think with this is not to ever promise that they're going to get results after one treatment. You always need to let them know that wound healing is going to continue for up to 12 months after the treatment, but it's not enough just to go and have a treatment like that and not back it up with home care at home. So making sure that they are on retinol, they are on peptides and their barrier is healthy AF. This is really important. Um, Possible effects are going to be very red, raw, feel like they're sunburnt afterwards, but they have to avoid putting fragrance things on their skin, touching their face, putting makeup on, dirty makeup brushes, dirty hands, all the rest. Preparation. For me, I like to make sure they're on a tyrosinase inhibitor and a vitamin A and that their barrier is healthy. And that goes the same with post-care. Like post-care, it's just about using really simple skincare that isn't fragrance, that isn't for any botanicals, that doesn't have any actives for really the first five days afterwards because you want to make sure that their barrier is super healthy and then make sure that you slowly introduce the tyrosinase inhibitor and the vitamin A. And the tyrosinase inhibitor and vitamin A is to one, make sure the epidermis is staying thick Two, tyrosinase inhibitor because you don't want any post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, which can sometimes come on when you've got internal inflammation. So best sunblock to use post-treatment. I think I've answered that. So making sure they don't use anything for two days after and then get on a mineral SPF. So my personal favorite, got one on the desk here, my sunny skin. Oh, obsessed. Uh, Will you include micro and nano infusions? This is totally different micro and nano infusions to needling. Micro infusions and nano infusions almost uses a vibration method to, it's a bit like sonophoresis, to infuse actives into the skin. So very, very different to skin needling where we're creating a controlled wound healing response. Wow, I actually think I've answered them all. If I have missed your question or if you still have more questions or if this has sparked more conversation, 
please let me know below, comment below, send me a message, make sure that you rate the episode. And if you're watching me on YouTube, make sure that you answer or give me a comment down below. Tell me where you are and tell me if you love this episode, if you hated this episode, if you really enjoyed it. But I hope you found lots of value in it and I was hopefully able to share my insight on all this. Who knew? Maybe next time I'll have to put my my ideas back out to you and see what else you want to know from me because I'm an open book and you know this. And I love talking about skin, so I'm happy to be talking more about it on the podcast now. All right, I will see you on the next episode.